Hello, this is the Ether Podcast, and this is another one of our Ether Talks, which is a segment of our podcast that exists outside of a regular podcast, in which we invite somebody to uh, have an interesting conversation with us about a topic that they're interested in. And today we're super excited because uh, we have a guest that uh, is a little bit outside of, I guess, your usual ministry-type job. I'm very excited to welcome Karma Kuhn, uh, who is a marriage uh, counselor. And uh, she's here to talk to us about uh, marriage. What she does uh, is super interesting, at least I find it super interesting. And basically, she specializes in marriages that are sort of on their last leg. And uh, first of all, Karma, why don't you give us a little bit of information of uh, what you do, the name of your, uh, I guess, practice is the proper term. Okay. And yeah. uh, then we'll get into some interesting questions. Sure, sure. I am a licensed mental health counselor in the state of Florida. And with that, you can do a broad spectrum of um, mental health counseling. But for me, I chose to zero in and focus on helping marriages, and especially marriages that are high conflict or that are recovering from some sort of betrayal or infidelity. And I find that really fulfilling because when people get to the point, when a couple gets to the point where they really value each other in a way they've never valued them in the past and then can make a transformation to a new relationship. It's it's just a very rewarding experience to have with them. And I feel privileged to be able to do that with these couples. And so um, my practice is called Couples Karma, and that's my website, coupleskarma.com. So if you want to look at that, I'm also on Facebook at Facebook slash Couples Karma. Awesome. Uh, let's start with a, a little bit of a, oh, before I do start, I think, cause this is an important question. So your practice is in Florida, but say somebody listens to this cause we have a little bit of an international audience for this podcast, oh. but say somebody, I don't know, either in another state or another country, uh, you're like professionally speaking, you're allowed to talk to them. They can ask you questions or whatever, right? They can ask me questions. I can do coaching for people in other states and other countries, but I can't do what Florida would consider psychotherapy. Gotcha. Good. That's an important distinction. I just yes. thought about it as I was about to ask yeah. the question. But here's uh, my first question, Karma, because uh, the majority of time that I've known you, I've known you as Tommy's mom, Tommy, mm -hmm. who's a, a friend of mine from college, who now goes by Tom because he's a grown man now. Uh, <laughs> yes. But also as a wife, uh, Tom Kuhn Sr.'s wife. And yes. so you got into this later in life. Yes, and I'm I super did. interested as to how that happened. So give us a little bit of background as to how you ended up doing what you're doing now. Okay. I'll, it, it's been quite a journey. Um, of course, I graduated high school way back in the 70s. <laughs> Okay. And back in the 70s is when computer science was just like emerging big time. And so I got out of high school and I thought, eh, I'm pretty decent at math and logic. I think I'll get a degree in computer science. So I did that. Of course, during the journey of that, I met my husband, Tom, and he was in a master's program. I was still in my undergraduate. And I worked for a while in the field, didn't really like it. I figured out from that that I'm not a machine type person. I'm definitely a people type person. Got it. And so it was just not fulfilling. So, of course, we had three children. 
raised our children. Um, the first one went off to college and I kind of looked at myself in the mirror and said, okay, so what do you want to do now? And um, so that's when I decided I would go back to college. I would get a master's degree in mental health counseling. And I did that in my late 40s. I actually graduated about two months before my 50th birthday with my master's degree. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And as far as my marriage, in 10 days, I will be married 41 years to my husband. Wow. That's amazing. Um, you know, it's interesting. And this is sort of a little bit of a side of uh, what we are really, what we got you on here for. But I think sort of your story, I think, is... Um, uh, a great lesson in, in sort of like figuring out what you want to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, I work with a lot of young people and I sort of, uh, I guess, mentor a lot of young people. And this question of like, what am I supposed to do with my life? Yeah. A, is such a stressful question to a lot of people because they feel like it's once they decide it's going to be set in stone and right. never again will you have an option to, to sort of redirect that. And B, like I think it's it's one that for many reasons, like we don't really equip people to to really be able to answer that question properly. Exactly. And maybe we'll get you on some other time to talk more about that. But I do think that it's very sure. admirable that you sort of got into this thing and sort of, in, in a sense, found your passion long yeah. later in life. Yeah. I think that's yeah. super cool. Yeah. But now to, to the real questions that, not that that wasn't a real question, but I guess the, the reason why you're here, Karma. Okay. Uh, okay. Because I do find it fascinating that you sort of to, chose to specialize, I think, in in, a, in situations that are like super heavy. Yeah. And I'd imagine that you have some really tough conversations and the marriages that are coming to you, yeah. uh, like I said at the beginning, are really on their last leg. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in sort of uh, preparing for this conversation, you sent me some material. And one of the things that you sort of want to talk about is sort of what you call the, the sorrow forgiveness dance. Yes. And, and let me ask you, let me allow you to explain this uh, by asking you this question. So uh, I guess with as as generally speaking as you can, how like what is the, the general journey, I guess, is the best way to ask this question. What is the general journey that a couple takes for sure. them to end up in your office sitting down with you and okay. having to, I guess, save their marriage? Yeah. That's a great question. And um, with almost all couples, we start out in what I call the affection phase of the relationship. We are enamored with each other. We just think the other person um, has just incredible strengths that we don't have and we admire that. And so we kind of hang out in that affection phase for a little bit of time, but eventually, all relationships are going to have conflict. And so conflict starts coming. And depending on family background and a lot of other factors, life experience determines how we resolve or choose not to resolve conflict. And what I've noticed with most couples is most people do not have any idea about how to resolve conflict in a healthy way. Mm. And so we have the other two phases that predominantly dominate relationships and that's the conflict phase where you just are combative the relationship is just competitive combative and you know there's a lot of arguing and fighting but nothing is ever really resolved 
people become defensive, uh, walls go up, they rationalize, things like that. Or you have the people who go into the withdrawal phase and, you know, it's the silent treatment or it's I'm just going to avoid this. Mm. And so they don't really talk about the conflicts that do come up, kind of ignore them, put blinders on, whatever. Either way, you end up with a ton of resentments. And as resentments build, then bitterness builds, and then the relationship gets into real trouble. Well, let me ask you this, because I I do think, um, because it's funny, because you're presenting two two very, um, I guess, usual scenarios that people are either combative or they're sort of more passive and conflict avoiders. And I think most people that are either one feel like theirs is sort of the most effective way to, to quote unquote deal with conflict. And I think it's interesting that what you're saying is that neither one gives you the result that you want, which is ultimate, ultimately resolution. Yes. Adding to that, I think, especially because we are talking to a Christian audience, adding mm-hmm. to that sort of the, uh, the biblical uh, mandate, I guess is the best way to say it of, of, forgiving yes right uh do you feel like people even misunderstand that 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 for example by me avoiding conflict and sort of silently saying like i'm just gonna look past this that Mm -hmm. people understand that as forgiveness or that somebody yells and fights and at the end they feel like they've let it all out and and because of that they in at least in their mind they quote unquote can move past things and yeah. that's what they define as forgiveness. Yeah. It's part of what you're saying that neither of those are really forgiveness. Yes, right. Neither of those are forgiveness. And the piece that comes before that is the sorrow piece. And that's why I talk about the sorrow forgiveness dance. I think a lot of us intellectually could give a definition for sorrow or could give a definition for forgiveness. When, when you try to put that into action in a relationship, Um, people don't understand how practically to live that out. And so that's the piece that I talk about a lot with couples that I work with. And it does go back to the biblical principles of forgiveness, um, to bearing with one another, to um, even the definition of godly sorrow. And Christians can understand those words, but they don't understand how that is demonstrated so in what, a relationship. So what would be like the way that it's properly demonstrated? Like what would you... Okay. Okay. This is great. Let's start with sorrow first. Okay. Now, sorrow isn't necessary for forgiveness, but in relationship, it really is pretty essential. So, you know, sorrow, we can have different definitions of sorrow or accept different definitions of sorrow in our minds because of how we grew up, you know, and you can have the people that say they're sorry, but they're not really sorry, but they say that because it's expected. And then, you know, things get swept under the rug. And so it's like, I'm sorry. Or, or it's, I'm sorry, get over it. Because, (laughs) you know, I really didn't do anything wrong. You know, it's just you, your perception or you're too sensitive or whatever. 
So that's one. Another one is the sorry you got caught, like, oops, ooh, I've been exposed. But you're not really sorry for the behavior, mm. but you're sorry you got caught. So again, it's kind of like, oh, I'm sorry. And, you know, you'll just have to get over it because this is just the way I am type thing. And then you have what, you know, the Bible would refer to as godly sorrow or genuine sorrow, where you do understand that your actions, even if they were completely unintentional, have caused some sort of hurt or pain in another person, you know, in your spouse in particular, when we're talking about marriage. So what do you do at that point? Because the I'm sorry probably won't be enough. You know, right. it's um, it's where your actions have to demonstrate what your words are saying. So the sorrow piece is once whichever partner is in that position does feel that genuine um, sadness, regret or hurting someone else, the the first thing they need to do is figure out how to verbally communicate that in a genuinely caring way. Mm. You know, not a kind of brush it under the rug, not quickly fly by it, but, you know, realizing that the other person's pain is legitimate. Whether they completely understand it or not, they are having painful, hurtful feelings. And so to communicate genuine caring about that, and to validate those feelings, you know, because a lot of times it's like, well, you shouldn't feel that way. Well, you've just completely invalidated right. the way the person <laughs> feels. You're telling them what they should or shouldn't feel. And here's the thing. Feelings are not right, wrong, good or bad. Feelings are simply feelings. Something happens, something said, we experience something. We have a feeling that comes up. It just comes up. It's not right, wrong, good or bad. Now, the choices we make after we have that feeling can lead to different outcomes, Right. But that feeling in and of itself is not right, wrong, good or bad. It's valid. And so to, you know, legitimize that feeling. And then it's important for the person who does have that sorrow to admit that what they did was hurtful, even if it was unintentional. You know what? I didn't know this would affect you that way. And I, you know, I see that now. And I'm really going to try to do something different. And that's the next part is to take responsibility, but to reassure the person that you've learned something. Mm. You know, you've learned something about yourself, about them, so that there can be reassurance that if similar things happen in the future, which they will, I've been married 40 years. My husband and I still have spats about stuff. And some of it is repetitive stuff, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so there does need to be reassurance, you know, that we're, you know, we're working on it, you know, but a, a genuineness in that sorrow. It's not just a simply, I'm sorry. It's not trying to justify it. Like, well, you know, I did this because you said this you know, or rationalization, you know, well, everybody does that. But no, there's a genuineness to connecting with the hurt in the other person. Well, let me ask you this question, because I think it's because um, I think I think um, the difficult part of, of what you're saying, right, is mm -hmm. say somebody is combative, right? And initially, uh -huh. when when this is brought up, they're they're instinct will be to to fight back yeah right or if you're the other one the the people will 
people who are a little bit more passive, their instinct will be to just sort of like shrink and yeah. sort of sweep it under the rug kind of thing. But yeah. how do you how do you go from the, either of those two scenarios to actually mm-hmm. feeling this sorrow that you're talking about? Like how how does one move to the one from the other? Because I think uh, and I think even there's a scenario in which like you feel no sorrow like you don't you don't necessarily uh and it, it's even happened to me like I, I don't see what the big deal is which even saying that out loud especially yeah. when i'm telling it to my wife it becomes another <laughs> source of conflict <laughs> yeah. so like so in in those i guess in those two scenarios like if if the the real feeling of like i don't really understand how this is a big deal or even like how do i if i am a combative person how do i stop myself from going there and actually having those feelings of sorrow. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And it takes teamwork. It takes um, both parties committing to helping the other, whatever they're, and this is where professional help comes in for the high conflict couples Mm. and, you know, couples that have had some serious hurts and injuries in the relationship. For everyday couples, I do think, though, it does go back to, of course, Believing what the Bible says is true, number one, right. and and that in and of itself humbles us, you know. So there needs to be humility on the part, but empowering each other to press the issue. Gotcha. Rather than um, settling for the standard. Um, the way we always do it. Whoa, that we go to. Right. Yeah. That that I I see that. Well, let me ask you this, and and this may be part of a of a bigger conversation because I feel like, um, and I was having this conversation with a friend of mine the other day, both about marriage and parenting. Um, because I feel like a lot of times these um, these the way that we react to things comes from a uh it comes from insecurities, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's a big part of, of uh, having a healthy marriage, having a healthy parenting in your household that really comes from a certain degree of having a, a healthy uh, view of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. In which, for example, like I know a lot of people get combative, not necessarily just because of the conflict, but because they feel insecure. And the exactly. way that they deal with that insecurity is by fighting back. Or yes. the person who is more passive, their passivity is their way to deal with their insecurity. Right. So how much of, of how, I guess, dealing with these big issues on marriage do you feel has to a certain degree to do with really dealing with with yourself? If, is that, yeah. Does that question – is that question fair? Yeah. Is that – Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's probably a long conversation, but I'll I'll give you kind of the um, the short form of that. I mean, we all come into relationships with a little bit of insecurity because none of us are perfect, right? And none of us came from perfect homes and have had lived perfect lives. And so, what insecurity does, though, is it generates fear, and fear really. Um, shows up in two forms. And it's interesting now that they can do these little PET scans about the brain, like fear and anger light up the same place in the brain. Which oh, is wow. That's pretty, super interesting. 
pretty interesting. Um, and so what happens is you feel insecure, you have a fear that comes up, fear of, fear of rejection, fear of failure, fear of whatever, uh, fear of attachment, fear of intimacy, fear, whatever comes up. And you'll go one of two paths because um, when fear hits us, we, our eyes, you know, like in the animal kingdom, the eyes either widen and you run away or the eyes narrow and you attack. Mm. And we kind of do the same thing. Correct. You know, we kind of do the same thing. So another point about, you know, this whole sorrow forgiveness dance is to not try to attempt it when emotions are high. And something that I recommend for all couples, and my husband and I have done this for at least 30 years, maybe earlier, because we started it when our kids were younger, so 35 years, um, is once a week we have a time together. And it's brief, 20 minutes sometimes, sometimes 30. We talk through our schedules just so we're on the same page and there's not a lot of misunderstandings. But we use that because it's a calm time to to kind of say, you know, how, how are you doing? How are we doing? Mm. How am I doing as a wife? My husband will say, how is he doing as a husband? You know, and so in those calm times is when you can really get to this sorrow and forgiveness place, because it's really challenging to get there when emotions are elevated. And so, that in a, sense? so in a scenario in which they are, do you just recommend that, uh, I guess the, the two members of the couple walk away. Do you like, what would be the process? Yeah. 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 If they're combative, um, then it would be, you know, take one of you go take a walk one, you know, um, each of you go to a separate room and do some deep breathing. Now do this with the knowledge of each other and agreed upon because it's not helpful for just one to run out of the house. That's <laughs> not going to solve anything, but you say, Hey, you know what? We're not getting any place right now. And we just need to kind of go cool down and, you know, listen to music or do some deep breathing or whatever. If it's withdrawal couples, it will be the one that's less of on the withdrawal scale to try to entice the other one. Hey, let's talk. Hey, you know, I'm just going to listen. I, I want to make a safe place for you to talk, you know, and that's all developed over time. I see. And and so say uh, the now we're 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 at the sorrow phase, right? Like right. We, we've successfully right. done that. You've successfully got there. Right. The person who has hurt the other person sees it, understands that it's caused some sort of pain or emotional discomfort has done their best to acknowledge it and then reassure, okay, uh, I'm really going to, you know, I'm really going to try to be aware of this and work on this. It doesn't mean we're going to be perfect, but I'm going to be aware. Okay. So then you have the flip side. The flip side is the forgiveness piece. Okay. And forgiveness is really, really misunderstood. And there's a lot in our culture that causes that television, movies, books, talk shows, et cetera, et cetera. You know, um, doesn't really represent uh, forgiveness. And so what I do a lot of times is I talk with people about, about what forgiveness is not first. Okay. Because I find that they've already got preconceived ideas. And if I can take some of those off the table, then they'll really be able to understand what forgiveness is. 
So first I start with forgiveness is not forgetting. We have memory lobes. God created us with memory lobes in our brain. Right. And so it's not forgetting. And then here's the big one. Forgiveness is not condoning what was done. So many people hold on tightly to bitterness and resentment because they fear, here's again where insecurities come up, they fear that if they forgive the other person, that somehow they're condoning what that other person did. Mm. And that is not true. Forgiveness does not condone what was done. Bad behavior was bad behavior. Right. You know, but that's just a, a, a difficult mental hurdle for many people to get over. That it doesn't mean that you're saying what they did was okay. It also doesn't remove the pain. That takes time. It doesn't restore trust. That takes time. So it's not those things. So what is it? Here's one of the best explanations I've ever found in working with couples. Is it's a decision to live with the consequences of somebody else's choices. Oh, wow. Well, think about that one. That's really deep. Yeah. You know, like one or the other in a partner went and made a major purchase without the without consultation or dialogue about it. You can be angry as a hornet about that. Right. But if you're going to get to the point of forgiveness, you decide, you know what? We're going to be financially strapped for a while. That's a consequence of somebody else's choice, not a choice I made, right? but a choice somebody else made, you know? So, so that's, that's a really deep thought for people to work with. And we work with small things first. And that's where if couples are doing that kind of weekly, you know, is there anything that I did that irritated you this week or whatever, you know, you can work on those small things. It's also with forgiveness, you're giving up your right for vengeance or retaliation right? because that's never helpful. That will only harm a relationship. It won't hurt it. And here's something the person who has been hurt on that side is, is also deciding to not remain attached to their pain. Mm. You know, now, it doesn't mean that all those feelings are going to go away immediately or that they're not going to be triggered to have some of those feelings if something similar occurs, but but they're not going to allow it to engulf them and become part of their identity. They're, you know, they can take a breath and say, ooh, ooh, you know, it's like if you get a wound and somebody bumps it, it hurts again. Right. You know, if you get a bruise and somebody, it's like, ooh, oh, you know, you can kind of feel the sting, but then take a breath and go, okay. We talked about this. I believe that my spouse was sorry, sorrowful about it and really didn't intend it and wants to change and, you know, allowing that pain to subside and not, not holding on to it. Not that like, well, see, you know, and <laughs> kind of grabbing it and, you know, hugging it and things like that, you know. And of course, in all of that, we realize that we can't change the past. Right. There is no way to change best. It will never be any better. We can look back at it as often as we want. It will never be any better, but it will never be any worse either. It simply was what it was. I feel like I have so many uh, uh, thoughts in response to what you just shared. <laughs> and particularly the one about consequence really rocked my world because I feel like uh, – I, I feel like – 
as humans, right? As 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 everyday people, yeah. we try to avoid consequence. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> in do. ways that go well beyond, like the way that we try to avoid other things, and on top of that, to to uh, try to avoid the consequence of somebody else's actions. Yeah. Because I, I I feel like um, some of the deepest wounds that we can have is when that is really hard. Yeah. You know, like personally, I, I don't necessarily have a, a reference point for marriage in that sense. But for example, I basically grew up without my dad. He mm -hmm. didn't die or anything. He just wasn't around. And even when he was physically there, he was never um, emotionally there. And that mm -hmm. obviously had a lot of effects on, on me and my childhood and yeah. sort of the way that I grew up and everything. And, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because when I became a Christian, I, I, I knew in my heart of hearts that I was going to have to forgive my dad. Mm -hmm. And in many ways, I feel like I have. But when it's really hard, like when it's really hard to, to think of my dad without resentment is yeah. when... Uh, the inadequacies that came from his absence yeah. rear their ugly head. You yeah. know what I mean? Like when, inse when insecurities or, or things that I'm deficient on, and I know that that's where they come from, that is when it's really hard to think of my dad uh, without that pain that you're talking about. You know what right. I mean? And, right. and so sort of having to, to let that go, like it's just it's, it's mm -hmm. super hard. You it know? is. And, and I think especially in the, in the context of – of having to do that with somebody who's, I guess, uh, the consequence of somebody that you live with, yeah. and somebody that you sort of made a vow to is a, is a lot right. is a lot more difficult, you know. Yeah. Like when you yeah. said it, I was like, man, that is like a I, I've never heard that before, Karma, and it really rocked my world because I I do feel like it's such yeah. a key part of for it's it's one of those things that I think that we all instinctively know. Yeah. And when you hear it said in a formal way, like I think it just it just really makes you rethink about a bunch of stuff. Right. So that right. that was that was really good. I would I'm yeah, man. That that that's yeah. that's 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 that's, yeah. that's hard. Yeah. That's hard. Yeah. It's it's deep thoughts and that's why I call it a dance because we don't like get there in a moment. Mm. You know. Somebody will understand sorrow to a point and the other person will understand forgiveness to a point, but then, you know, it might not be completely resolved. And so, you know, you can go back to it, you know, but couples who are committed to each other can help each other in that, you know, gotcha. like yeah. I understand that there are consequences to the things that I did. And I know I'm asking you to live with those. You know, mm. and just even that, just even just saying that to somebody else and acknowledging it will help them. Yeah. Do you uh, do you feel like um, what part of what we're talking about here? Like it almost sounds like the the glue that keeps these ideas together is is has to be grace. Yeah. That at some point you you sort of have to go. You know what? We're not there yet. But I'm still going to operate with love and affection towards this person yes. until we do. Right. Wow. Right. It, it right. all comes back to grace. That's <laughs> it, does, it does. I was just about to say that it is all about grace because 
none of us is ever going to be perfect in our marriages, in our relationships, in our choices, our decisions, you know, now we want to, as we mature in relationship, in marriage, in parenting, we, we want to have, you know, our awareness level continue to grow so that we are more perceptive about when we're about to take a slide down, you know, down the slope that we don't want to go on. Right. And so a lot of it is that, you know, raising us, raising our awareness. And I think the sorrow and forgiveness dance helps because we're helping each other kind of stay, um, um, stay to the point where obviously we don't want to hurt each other. And so becoming more aware of the things that are sensitive issues to each other. And even when you have parents, you know, all of your children are different and they're all going to be sensitive about different things right. and having that awareness to really help them as well. Yeah, let me let me ask you this, and this I guess falls more in the realm of a theological question because I I do, I do agree with you that that forgiving isn't forgetting, right? right? But how do you reconcile that with something like First Corinthians thirteen, where it says that love keeps no record of wrong, or places where you know it talks about God, like as far as east is from the west, like God, uh, yeah. you know, keeps our our record of wrong, like far apart yeah. from. Yeah from yeah, his yeah, love yeah. for us. Like how, how do you yeah. reconcile those things? Yeah. Yeah. Well, definitely God can be God and I'm happy that he forgets. <laughs> but we, but we're not God. I am happy. Uh, but as far as the record of wrongs, I think that has to do with remaining attached to your pain. Mm. Because if you remain attached to your pain, then you're going to continually bring it up. Gotcha. But if you allow, you know, if you allow that pain to, you know, subside, you know, as, as forgiveness comes in, then, you know, you're not, you're not going to have that, that record in your brain because you've been working hard at, at being able to not allow that pain to kind of take over your thoughts and feelings about your spouse. Gotcha. So, so what you're saying is that you can remember the event, but you don't necessarily have to hold on to the feelings that right. accompanied said event. Right, right, right. It's, it's like when you remember the event, you're, you're not angry about it anymore. Mm. It was just something that happened. Right. You know, it was unfortunate, but it was something that happened. Gotcha. You know, and it's kind of the difference between um, remaining a victim, because if we remain a victim, and it's very difficult for victims to forgive, because if you remain in a victim stance, that means somebody else is a villain. Right. You know, and so kind of living that whole contempt free. In, you know, trying to get to that contempt-free space in your relationship is the healthy place to be. Correct. I see. Um, well, let me ask you this, because, again, I feel like you deal a lot with uh, really worst-case scenarios. Uh, and you've, we've sort of talked about the road that, one, that a couple travels to get there. 
But what are what are some things that you would advise couples so that they never arrive at that place? Like, what would you say on like your day to day, week to week, month to month, regular uh, marriage life? Like, what would you say are good habits or good practices to to have so that you don't ever get there? Yeah, um, good communication skills. I would say is the number one winning strategy in relationships. Mm. And even to narrow that down even more, the ability to communicate to the person that you love clearly, directly, and respectfully mm. what you need and desire in the relationship. That's the big thing. And most of us don't have great communication skills. And the younger the generations get, you know, they, they everything's an acronym and a text <laughs> and right. a you know, uh, some phrase and, you know, there's not really this um, ability anymore to communicate um, on an emotional, deeper level. Everything's just facts and, you know, I'm going here, I'm going there, this and that. Right. But for couples to take the time on a regular basis, and that's different for all couples, but on a regular basis to sit down and say, hey, how are we doing? And what is it that you, what, what is it that you want right now? And those things change through your lifespan. Right. You know what you valued in your 20s, you don't value in your 50s. And some things you do, but some things you don't. You know, but that ability to be able to communicate to the other person and the other person being able to receive it so that there's safety, that both parties feel like they can be open and vulnerable without belittling, without sarcasm, without those kinds of things. Um, I know that you, you've talked a couple of times about sort of this, this safe space. Um, and, and certainly, um, I guess the way that you react to what's being told is one of the uh, features of that safe space. What else would you mm -hmm. say is how, like, how do you create a safe space other than yeah. just guarding? Well, not necessarily guarding, but being mindful of your reaction. Yeah. Being mindful of your reactions and just, um, providing opportunities for the other person to talk. And all you do is simply listen, mm. just, just listen. Gotcha. You know, if you need to clarify something, you ask a clarifying question, but not to give a response back, definitely not to give unsolicited advice. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's rarely helpful in relationship, you know, but simply to listen. And then the more you do that, the more the other person will talk. And then the more they do that with you, the more you talk and you're able to have healthy dialogue rather than just kind of, you know, shooting little snippets of stuff at each other. Mm. I see. Uh, let me ask you a question that I think is an important question, especially given all the stuff that we've talked about. Cause I feel like, um, one of the things like, it, I, th uh, I think it's super hard to be, uh, self-aware in the <laughs> sense that, um, your marriage could really be in trouble, but a lot of times you don't, we don't realize it until it's, it's, way past the point in which it would have been yeah. easier to do something about it. 
So yeah. what what do you feel are some of the the things that I guess people that are listening should mm. think about in sort of uh, evaluating sort of where our marriage is at? Like, are we at a place in which we need to sit down with a karma coon to talk about this stuff, or are we yeah. like way past that place and we should have done this like two weeks ago? Like, what are you some yeah. I guess some vital signs yeah. that you would say okay. like yeah, are important good. to be aware of? Yeah, yeah, checking the pulse of the relationship. Yeah. 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 Well, one thing is if there's like non-specific just irritation in the relationship, like things just irritate you for no reason and you don't even really know why. That's a sign that there's some sort of resentment down under there someplace mm. that you're either not wanting to acknowledge or not wanting to deal with or whatever. So that's one. Another one is that intimacy fades Gotcha. Whether it's intimate conversation or physical intimacy, it just, there's just not an interest anymore. Mm. And so that's a big indicator as well. Um, another indicator would be that you just act more like roommates. You sort of share the same space, but there's no. Yeah, you share the same space, but you're not sharing life together. Mm. And that's like, hmm, something's not right here. We right. probably need to talk about this. Wow. You know, this is uh Carl, this has been uh a super interesting conversation. I feel like uh I feel like everybody should have a karma coon in their life. This is <laughs> this has been uh, you know, it's especially from from uh like I feel like there's a lot of things and I think one of the reasons why, why I enjoy doing this podcast is because there's a lot of people out there that sort of delve into topics in a way that is um, that is deeper, and they end up understanding that topic in ways that go beyond uh, just what we understand in a surface. And I think when you dig into those things, the things that come out are are can can be life changing. You know what I mean? Like these yeah. concepts that we all that we all hear about and, and sort of know that they exist that right. many of us don't really explore. I right. always enjoy talking to people that have explored a lot of these things because they understand things in a level that most of us yeah. don't. And they're so right. important, you know what I mean? Be it discipleship, yeah. be it uh, Bible study, be it forgiveness. Uh, yeah. I really appreciate you being here and having talked about uh, all the things that you've talked about. I think it certainly made me think a lot about uh, my life and or my marriage i think by and large i think rachel and i have a really healthy marriage but these kinds of conversations always make me think of like maybe maybe i don't not that our marriage is in shambles but right, i think right. this it can always get i think communication especially can always get better i think yes. it's something that yes. that we can never be good enough at just mm -hmm. just being able to communicate feelings and pain and all Absolutely. of that stuff so Absolutely. I did want to give you another opportunity to, uh, before we okay. go, to sort of uh, plug your practice and what you do. Okay. Uh, like I said, it's super, okay. super enjoyable. So if people want to get in okay. touch with you, Karma, where, where can they do that? If people want to get in touch with me, they can go to my website. It's www.coupleskarma.com. My email address is just the same as well, karma at coupleskarma.com. And those are with all Cs. Couples with a C, karma with a C. And uh, and then I'm also on Facebook at Couples Karma. Awesome. Uh, one of the one of the things uh, that I I'd love for this to.
to be, Karma, is to have you back on some other time. Sure. Uh, one of the things that I hope is that people have a lot of questions from the po this podcast, and maybe in the future we could do a, a Q and A with Karma kind of session. Yeah, so that, if would, you that would are, be fun. Yeah, if you're listening to this and you're interested in that, uh, please feel free to drop us a comment on social media. You can find us at EtherMMC. Uh, on Facebook and on Instagram. And also, if you want to email me personally, my email is uh, rodrigo.acosta at EtherMMC. And if you have questions or if you uh, like the idea of having Karma as, a, as our Q&A mar marriage expert, uh, <laughs> please let us know. I know that I've, I've really enjoyed this. And uh, thank you so much for being on. And uh, for those of thank you listening, you. thank you for listening. And uh, we'll catch you on the next one.